days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Podcast episode 171, The Midnight Suns, part one. I'm your host, Ryan, and welcome back, everyone. Uh, yes, once again, this is going to be a solo episode. I'm recording the same night as the previous episode to pull back the curtain a little bit. Just wanted to cover something that I'm excited about that I've enjoyed for a long time. And uh, I did that in the last episode with the Marvel Cosmic stuff. I was like, you know what? That didn't take up a lot of time for me to really cover. And I knew it wouldn't, so I was like, what else can I cover uh, with all the listeners there? Something that I'm really excited about, something that I don't see a lot of people covering, uh, at least to my knowledge. I'm sure there's probably some podcast out there that covers some of this material I'm about to talk about. I'm just not aware of it. I didn't go looking for it. And it's probably for the best because I don't want to copy what someone else is doing. If you go back to our very first episode, uh, I believe it was the very first episode, uh, Chuck and I actually talked about our top five things that we felt we knew the most about. I would say that's probably changed for me uh, over the years of doing this show for obvious reasons. As you delve deeper and deeper into the rabbit hole, you learn more and more things about all kinds of stuff. So um, I would definitely say just, you know, Comics in general is something I probably would put in my top five at this point. I don't know if it was my top five back then. Um, you know, I love Marvel. I love DC. I love independent stuff. And I've learned so much about it since uh, just in the last six years, uh, just really being in depth into it. Um, learned so much more about G.I. Joe. Learned so much more about Star Wars. Learned so much more about Transformers. All the 80s properties just dug more and more into it, and I love every single minute of it. Um, but one of the things I mentioned back in that first episode was that in my top five, one of the things I felt like I knew the most about, and not saying I was an expert, but just these are the things I knew the most about, um, one of them was supernatural stuff. 
And I, I said it's not necessarily the show Supernatural, even though I'm a big fan of that and still enjoy it. Even six years later, uh, I was enjoying it back then as well. All Just supernatural things. So like ghosts and goblins and werewolves and vampires and things like that. I'm not as ingrained into that now as I was probably back then. And certainly not as much as I was when I was a teenager and early 20s and stuff like that. I still love that type of stuff. I still love reading stories like that. Werewolf by Night is still one of my favorite, like, obscure characters that, you know, only comic readers really even have heard of or really know. It's, and werewolves are my favorite type of supernatural creature. I, you know, being, I should say, now that I've gotten older, being scared is not something I enjoy as much as I did when I was younger. You know, when I was younger, it's like, ooh, that's a scary movie, let me watch it. Now I'm like, eh, it's a scary movie, let me watch that maybe in the daytime, uh, you know, maybe that makes me a wuss now. I don't know. It's just, I'm like, I don't really want to be up all night freaked out by something I watched anymore. Uh, but I'll still occasionally be stupid and watch something like that, uh, and still can appreciate and still enjoy it. Uh, my problem is when I watch something like that, it's usually at night because my wife is not one to watch anything even close to that, uh, type of scary stuff. And so she usually goes to bed and that's when I'm like, oh, that's when I'm stupid. And I'm like, let me go ahead and watch something scary. And then I watch, you know, something scary and then I don't go to sleep. Um, I don't know if I ever told this story before, but uh, just to go off on a total tangent since I did already. (laughs) And you can totally laugh at this. I find it funny myself. Uh, I watched a movie called Darkness Falls. I think that's the name of it. It was a movie about it was a creepy take on the tooth fairy. It was basically that if, when the Tooth Fairy came, as long as you kept your eyes closed and didn't see her, uh, she would take your tooth and she would leave you money or whatever. But if you looked at her, if you opened your eyes and saw her in the darkness, she would kill you. So yeah, creepy take on the Tooth Fairy. Um, well, this kid opens his eyes and sees her and comes. he goes running out of his room, getting away, gets into the bathroom, which has... There's a light on in the bathroom. His mom comes and, so, you know, is you know, wondering what he's so freaked out about because he's crying and screaming and everything else. He tells her there's a monster in his room, It's and she goes and checks it out, even though he begs her not to, and she gets killed, of course. And because of this, he grows up to be an adult who only sleeps with the lights on. He, he will not go in the darkness because she's waiting for him in the darkness, uh, the tooth fairy is. And it is a creepy-ass movie because it was one of those movies where they were very smart and didn't show you a whole lot. You get glimpses, and, and that was it. You didn't really see her until the very end. And I liked that because, you know, it's your imagination that gets the better of you. Uh, well, after I saw that movie, again, I watched it at night by myself. Stupid move on my part. I didn't want to turn the lights off in the house <laughs> at all. I did. I turned them off, but I any room I was going into had to have a light on. Then I go up to the bedroom. My wife's asleep. Um, I turn my nightstand light on. I turn the hallway light off. And then I set my alarm clock and everything else. And I don't turn the, the lamp off, the, the nightstand lamp off. Uh, I'm like, it's just not going off. It's just, I'm not doing that. So... <laughs> um, it gets to be about maybe, I must, I fall asleep, but it gets to be about maybe 3, 4 in the morning, 
and my wife wakes me up and she's like, Ryan, your light is still on. Uh, your lamp is still on. And I says, I know. I woke up enough to, to say, I know, and it's going to stay on all night. <laughs> and she just turned over and went to sleep and that was it. Uh, it was until the next day that I told her why it's because I watched a scary movie where if the lights go off, something kills you. Um, and so she just laughed and I laughed and, you know, but that still has stuck with me. Um, still not my favorite thing. Uh, and if you were ever freaked out as a kid, you know, you know, the darkness is not something, uh, enjoyable. Um, but I had a lot of fun when I was a teenager. I, you know, I loved the movie, the exorcist. I loved supernatural stuff. And when I became a teenager and started really getting into comics, uh, it was the nineties and the nineties were really, you know, man, the, the, the 90s get a bad rap. Uh, there was good comics back then. And there was some cheesy stuff that, you know, looking back on it, you know, I understand why other re comic readers that read before the 90s came probably didn't like the 90s so much. But for me, you know, it's just like anything else. It's, it's the first thing you're exposed to, to is the thing that you love. And so I got exposed to a lot of 90s comics, so those were the things I've learned to love. And what I'm about to cover with you is no exception to that. And if you know anything about comics, especially if you know anything about Marvel comics, you know the name the Midnight Suns. And the Midnight Suns, who, what they were, is they were Marvel's creepy supernatural characters. Uh, not all of them creepy, but you know some of them were. Um, they were Ghost Rider uh, and Johnny Blaze, and I know for those of you who know comic history, you're going to say, wait, those are the same characters. They are, and they're not, and this was the time period when they were not, and we'll get into all that as, as this, this series of shows goes on. So you had the, the Ghost, you had Ghost Rider, Johnny Blaze, you had the, the Night Stalkers, which were characters from the Tomb of Dracula series. Uh, we'll get into those at a later time. Uh, there was the Darkhold Redeemers, and the Darkhold was this mystical, evil book uh, that, you know, could grant your fondest desires in the most twisted, messed up way ever. So, uh, so there was that. There was uh, Doctor Strange became part of it, which is a little bit of the reason why I'm covering this. Not just because I'm a big fan of the Midnight Suns, but also because we have Doctor Strange coming out this fall. So I was like, hey, let me start covering some of this stuff. We'll ne we won't get to the point of Doctor Strange probably by the time the movie comes out, but Doctor Strange does become part of the Midnight Suns. So, and, and there's a, a bunch of other characters that get introduced and, and everything else. Uh, Morbius, uh, the living vampire, uh, which is a Spider-Man villain. He becomes part of the Midnight Suns because he come, becomes more of a vampirish, vampirish type character. It, it was cool though. It was, I, and I really enjoyed it. And the, the issues that I started reading, you couldn't go anywhere in the nineties in Marvel comics without running into a few characters. So one of them was Spider-Man. You still can't run, go anywhere without running into Spider-Man somewhere. One of the characters was the Punisher. He was extremely popular in the nineties, uh, cause it was the anti-hero movement of the nineties and everything else. And speaking of anti-heroes was this other character, which was Ghost Rider. And it was a different Ghost Rider, though. It wasn't the Johnny Blaze, uh, possessed by Zarathos Ghost Rider, and we'll get into Zarathos and everything else later on as well. But it was it was this new character. Um, it was a brand new character. And I picked up 
the where I started picking up and reading the issues was the rise of the Midnight Suns. I saw the title. I saw that it came in a poly. If I remember, it came in a poly bag thing. It said the rise of the Midnight Suns, and I was like, oh, cool, a bagged comic. It was my first exposure to a bagged comic that you know came in a little bag, uh, poly bag type thing that you opened up and read. And I was like, well, you know, there's a guy with a flaming skull. That's kind of cool. <laughs> Let me go ahead and check this out. Uh, I liked Firestorm when I was a kid from DC, and this guy looks like, you know, got a flaming head also, but he's got a skull, so that's pretty cool. I like, again, I liked supernatural things, so I was like, let me check this out. And so I started reading it, reading uh, Ghost Rider and everything else from issue 28, which was, again, that was the start of The Rise of the Midnight Suns. I was a little lost, not too badly, though, because it was meant to be a jumping on point, and I was like, wow, you know, who are these characters? Because it it started off with in Ghost Rider, but then it went into some of the other titles that I had just mentioned, you know, Night Stalkers, Morbius, uh, Darkhold Redeemer, stuff like that. And I was like, wow, this is really kind of cool. Like, this is the jumping on point of something new at Marvel. And to me, it was going to be something that was just going to last forever for a while. And there's still glimpses of it to this day. You'll still, every once in a great while see something referred to in an issue somewhere of about the Midnight Suns. I really would love it to be something that came back. I think it's something that Marvel could pull off uh, and have it be its own title. They did a, a Midnight Suns Unlimited title at one time, which was just stories of these various characters. I loved it. You would get like two, three stories or one big story uh, in an issue and it was, you know, these supernatural type characters and you got stories with characters like Man-Thing and all, all that. So, um, and, and Werewolf by Night and, and stuff. So I really enjoyed that. I would love to see a title like that come back. They've tried bringing Ghost Rider back a few times. It seems like it hasn't taken very well, but hopefully it will at some point in the future. Um, I've enjoyed the character for a long time. Uh, the only version of him I didn't really care for was the most recent version where he was a, a car driver. Um, and it's because to me that wasn't Ghost Rider, that's Ghost Driver. Um, so, eh, it wasn't bad, it just wasn't my cup of tea. But what was my cup of tea and what I really enjoyed was the Ghost Rider of the 1990s, which was a character named Danny Ketch, who became the Ghost Rider. And... I thought about just jumping right into Ghost Rider number 28, but there had been a lot of history before that issue came out. Um, so I thought where I would start is what I did back then, which is I jumped back and found the issues, the early issues of Ghost Rider. Never got issue number one uh, when I was a kid, but I did get the trade of Ghost Rider, and the, the trade had issues, I think, one through seven in it or something like that. Uh, and I think I still have that trade somewhere. So it's one of my earliest trades I ever collected. But a good buddy of mine, uh, Mr. Chris Campbell, uh, one year when I went out to Baltimore Comic Con, he had a party at his house and he was getting rid of some issues that he had um, just around his house and everything else. He had them in some short boxes and everything else. Uh, he had a few issues of Ghost Rider from the 90s, and one of them was issue number one. And it's in beautiful condition. Uh, absolutely loved owning it. Uh, even though I had it in trade, I was like, having the issue is just that much more awesome to me. So I, I'm an issue kind of guy. I love trades. I have a ton of trades, but 
if I can actually own the issue as well as owning the trade, a lot of times I will do that uh, if it's something I really love. And this is something I do really love. There's a lot of people out there that may not have cared for the Midnight Suns. Uh, they may not have cared for the 90s Ghost Rider. Again, this is when I was introduced to these characters. This is when I was introduced to this this darker side of Marvel. So because that's the first thing I was introduced to, this is the thing that I love. And I actually think Ghost Rider was done exceptionally well for a very long time. I think it's not until you get into the issues maybe like in the 60s or 70s that it starts kind of really going off the rails and going way weird. Um, they've brought it back a few times and have done a better job of bringing it back. But um, like I said, the first 50 issues at least, are, if not well be a little bit beyond that, probably in the early to mid 60s, were just great reads. I loved them. Uh, and these very first issues were awesome. So what I thought I would do is I would cover issue number one of Ghost Rider. Not going to go over the whole first story arc, but I'm going to go over the first whole first issue. Um, and you'll see all, all the things that made this Ghost Rider really cool and the things I liked about him were all here in this first issue. And then I'll probably jump ahead to uh, Johnny Blaze uh, coming after Ghost Rider. I think I might jump into that issue uh, or story arc. There's a couple issues there. Uh, where he thinks it's still the demon that possessed him uh, that is possessing Danny Ketch. Uh, and then from there, I'll jump right into the Rise of the Midnight Suns. Uh, I don't want to drag things out too long. And what I'll always do, much like I just mentioned in the previous episode with the Marvel Cosmic stuff, is that if there's a character that appears for the first time in one of these issues and they had a first appearance someplace else or have had some history someplace else, I will try to read the first appearance if I'm at all possible able to, and then I will also read anything else after that, uh, or at least cover anything that I've already read after that that involved that that character. The great thing that I've been able to use for doing that is the Marvel Unlimited app. Uh, we are not sponsored by them. Believe me, I would tell you if we were, I would love it. If, I have nothing against sponsorship, so uh, if someone wants to sponsor us, I'm, I'm all for it. It does have to be a product that I believe in. It has to be something that I feel like I can back. I will never bring any type of sponsorship to you guys that I don't believe in myself. So, But I do use the Marvel Unlimited app. I love it for the simple fact of reading the first appearances and everything else. Because let's face it, some of these first appearances of certain characters, if you had to go out and buy the issue in order to cover something like this, it would cost you a fortune. So it was a great way for me to read, read some stuff like that. I do have some things like from the Marvel Cosmic stuff I have some stuff in trades and hardcovers. Uh, some of the Midnight Sun stuff I will have in trades and hardcovers, and I will also have in the issues themselves. So, but uh, but at least some trades and hardcovers, and then when I have to, I'll turn to the Unlimited app to to read uh, some other stuff. So jumping right into Ghost Rider number one here. First off, I just want to talk about the cover. The cover is absolutely beautiful. Uh, it is really really awesome. They don't really give. I don't think they give any type of uh, credit to who the cover artist is. Um, it might just be the main artist of the series because the art looks very similar, uh, which is Javier Salteris. Um, if it was somebody else, please let me know. I didn't, unfortunately, didn't look ahead of time to see who the cover artist was. I assumed it was going to tell me inside uh, the issue, but it doesn't really say here. Like I said, it might be the actual interior artist because... It, uh, and actually, it, it is because I do see there's a little 
signature at the bottom of Javier Salteras written there, and it says an 89. So that's uh, this issue came out in 1990. Uh, obviously, the cover art for it uh, was drawn in 89. So, uh, but it's a new Ghost Rider. He's on his on his uh, Hellfire motorcycle, which just looks awesome. It's got the it's got some really cool features to it, which we'll see in the issue. Um, but it was just a new design. It was a, a new look for Ghost Rider. Um, very 90s looking. He's got spikes on his wrists and spikes on his shoulders and everything else. But for that time, it was awesome. And also, he's a biker. So, I mean, spikes and everything else on shoulders and everything else for just a normal hero or villain or something like that may have been over the top. But for someone that is a, a biker, uh, it makes a lot more sense so you forgive it a lot more so going into the inside the issue itself the only thing i really would say i was a disappointed with uh just because I, I for the first issue this is the first time we're getting exposed to danny catch and he becomes ghost rider you know spoiler but uh <laughs> he becomes ghost rider a 26 year old spoiler um but uh that's okay because they spoil it for you anyways in the issue and that's the thing I was disappointed about was at the very top first page it says when innocent blood is spilled a spirit of vengeance is born and Danny Ketch finds himself transformed into the ghost rider and uh the name of the story of this first story is called life's blood um I wish they would have just left it at when innocent blood is spilled a spirit of vengeance is born uh the ghost rider or you know, someone find, finds themselves transformed into the Ghost Rider. I think it would have been fine just putting when innocent blood is spilled, a spirit of vengeance is born, the Ghost Rider. Like, that would have been enough for this first issue. And then the second issue you could have said, and Danny Ketch finds himself transformed into the Ghost Rider. Because it's not like this issue starts and he's already the Ghost Rider. Then it, that would make a little bit more sense. He's not. This is his first appearance. This is his origin story. This first issue is really his origin of becoming Ghost Rider. Um, the writer on this is uh, Howard Mackey. Penciler is Javier Solteras. Uh, inker is Mark Texiera. Uh, letterer is Michael Heisler. Uh, colorist is Gregory Wright. Editor is Bobby Chase. And editor-in-chief is Tom DeFalco. Uh, when we turn to the next page, we see a couple quotes. One's from John Ford. Uh, Revenge proves its own executioner. And then there's a quote from Ghost Rider, which is, I am the spirit of vengeance. Nothing will stop me from inflicting pain on all those who have inflicted it on innocent beings. <clears throat> so on the first page, we have this cool, like, ghostly silhouette of the Ghost Rider that we see on the cover. Um, he's hovering over Cypress Hill Cemetery, which will be a location throughout the series. Uh, it is a very important location. We find out its importance uh, much later. There's a lot that's going to happen at Cypress Hill Cemetery. Um, we have Danny Ketch is walking in the cemetery with his sister Barb. He doesn't know why they're out there uh, in the cemetery. It's uh, the eve of Halloween. You know, he's just kind of creeped out. Barb says, you know, you've been reading uh, too much Stephen King. So a nice little time reference there. She's like, you promised uh, you'd take me to see Houdini's gravesite on Halloween Eve, and you're not backing out. Uh, she says, you know, psychics have been trying to make contact with him on, on the other side and, and all this type of stuff. And uh, he's like, 
yeah, there's just there's been a lot of uh, disappearances that have happened recently. So, you know, that's what's got me a bit nervous. All of a sudden, these kids come jumping out with masks on and they start laughing because Danny and Barbara both freaked out a bit. Um, they do try uh, snagging Danny's, uh, they call it his purse, but it's really his camera bag and, and uh, like satchel that he's carrying. Uh, Barb actually kicks the one girl in the in the butt <laughs> and all of them go all the kids go running away and they're actually they refer to themselves as the cypress pool cypress pool jokers uh so they obviously hang around uh the cemetery quite a bit all of a sudden they hear uh danny and barb they hear a gunshot and a scream uh barb says it's probably just those kids again uh but we can go check it out and she can get it on film. When they get up to the top, they look over and they see the kids are kind of watching what's going on also. And there's where we see three men with a with guns pointed at a, a fourth guy. And uh, they're letting them know that uh, the, the merchandise that they have actually belongs to the kingpin. And, uh, you know, they said, you know, we're going to have to kill you for killing his uh, the kingpin's courier. You know, no offense. Well, the the fourth guy is a character named Death Watch, and Death Watch is brand new to this uh, this comic. It's his first appearance is in this issue, uh, so we'll learn more about him as as time goes on. But he kind of snaps his fingers, and next thing you know, there's like these ninja type characters in the shadows, and they take out a bunch of the bunch of the guys, um, and. Uh, Death Watch grabs one of uh, one of the main guys that was threatening him, and the guy's like, "Who are you?" And he goes, "I am Death Watch. I am your death." And he just cracks his skull, uh, cracks his neck, and Barb screams out, uh, "No!" And that causes Death Watch to notice that, oh, you know, there's somebody up there. He says to kill her. Uh, one of the ninja guys fires an arrow, and it goes right into the chest of Barb. Uh, she goes down, Danny Ketch grabs her, uh, he's, you know, trying to drag her away. Um, all of the, the Cypress Pool kids, they go running off, but one of them does notice that, uh, the girl is missing and her name's Polly. Polly, like an idiot, goes down and takes the, the briefcase that the other guys were fighting over earlier. Uh, just as she grabs it, Death Watch notices this and he sends his ninjas after her. She goes running, um, and he lets them know, do not fail me and leave no witnesses. Uh, Danny Ketch goes into a nearby junkyard and he notices this glowing thing in the dark. Uh, but it looks like some eyes that are staring and he just tells it to go away. Um, he doesn't realize what it is at the time, but to him, it looks like it's somebody, something watching him or somebody watching him. The, uh, the ninja guys chase after, uh, Danny Cash. They follow the blood trail. They kind of lose him a bit and they're shouting out saying, let us help you. Uh, we can get your friend to a doctor and Danny Cash is, you know, he, he's trying to, you know, take care of Barb, but. Uh, he's getting blood all over his hands. He notices his motorcycle near them. Uh, he props her up against the motorcycle. Uh, we go back to Polly being, uh, dragged, uh, by one of the ninjas back. Uh, he's like, you know, at least 
at least we have her and next thing we know we see Danny Ketch touches the gas cap which is glowing all of a sudden and he's got again he's got blood on his hands he, the second he touches the glowing gas cap which why you would do that I don't know um, uh, he shouts out no he's got you know lights just burning out of his eyes the ninjas happen to notice uh, the light and they're like you know let's let's go over there uh, use the grenade now and leave no evidence they have a grenade that they're just going to throw it throw in there well here comes Ghost Rider coming on the next page flying over them uh, carrying Barb and he says I am Ghost Rider the spirit of vengeance he easily takes them all out uh, he tells you know one of them to release Polly he says release her or die um, and the ninja says uh, you'll die first freak he gets that ninja gets just punched and taken down uh, then Ghost Rider pulls off his chain that he has over his chest. He has it kind of like a bandolier over his chest. He takes it out and flings it out, and it nails one of the ninjas in the mouth, and then he wraps it around. Uh, his Ghost Rider's chain kind of is almost has a life of its own, and it has a lot of different abilities. Um, so all of a sudden the cops show up. Uh, Polly goes running with the briefcase. And Ghost Rider is standing there with the police, and they think that he is the reason that Barb has the wound and that she's about to die. They come after him with batons, and he just uh, flings them aside very easily. He uh, knocks the guns out of their hands, and then he gets on his bike and goes riding off. They're shooting at him, and the bullets are just either bouncing off of his bike or, or cutting right through him, and it doesn't really matter. He, as he goes by, flips up the uh one of the police cars and smashes it into another one so they really can't follow him but they do leave he does leave barb there in the policeman's hands and they actually call for an ambulance so that barb can actually uh, get healed uh the police then come after those that are left go after ghost rider um he is leaving flames in his trail which is just awesome looking they do set up a blockade ahead of him they think they have him cut off and what he does he launches his his bike up in the air over it. Uh, then there's another blockade up ahead, and what his motorcycle is able to do, and I don't know if we've ever seen his motorcycle do this again. It does it this one time, and I am trying to remember if he's ever done it again. I'm sure he has, uh, but sometimes there are those things where that happen in the first issue of a character that you never see it happen again. Um, this might be one of those times. What happens is uh, the front end, it's kind of got like this face, this skull-like face. Uh, it's, it's like a shield, but it's also like a skull. It's, it's kind of interesting. But it's this blue metal, and it's got two like white eye hole type things. And the, it comes down in front of his flaming wheel, and it becomes a battering ram. And he just plows right through the second barricade that's set up there for him. Some cops still go after him. He goes down an alleyway, and they're like, we have him cornered now. But his bike can actually go up walls. It's kind of like Spider-Man. Um, it just He's able to go right up the wall on it, and uh, he gets away. Because uh, he feels that his vengeance uh, was delivered at that particular moment, uh, and he's tired, uh, he actually changes back into Danny Catch. Uh, Danny Ketch doesn't know what's happened. He doesn't know what you know what he's done. It's not that he has amnesia. He's just like at a loss for what just happened. He can't believe what just occurred. But he's like, I have to find Barb, and he leaves the the bike behind him. Uh, it's back in 
it looks like it's back in Cypress uh, Hill Cemetery. So then we go to Wall Street, and there we have Death Watch again, except now he's in a business suit, and he is being told about how they failed to find the girl, and they didn't get the case that they were there for. Uh, he wants to know what happened, and we get an uh, idea of one of Death Watch's powers, which is that he can actually, he has some telepathic ability. He can actually uh, see, especially through touch, what someone else has seen. And what he sees is he sees the Ghost Rider, and he sees what happened. Um, so he decides that, uh, you know, that they need, he's going to send his, his men out. Uh, he does kill the one guy that failed him as an example. Uh, but, you know, he sends his other guys out and he's like, don't fail, do not fail me again. We then go to the next page where we have the Kingpin. We go to the Fisk building and we have Kingpin. And this was my first exposure to Kingpin, also in comics at least. Uh, I had seen him in cartoons for Spider-Man's Amazing Friends. I believe he appeared in that um, and everything. But I had never seen him, especially like this. He's He's dressed almost like a sumo wrestler. He's just got like you know, underwear on, uh, spandex shorts on or whatever. And he's got some, uh, some boots on and that's it. And he's taking on a bunch of like samurai guys. And one of them cuts him in, in the chest. He seems to like this. So it kind of shows that the kingpin isn't really fat. He is actually just all muscle. In reality, you couldn't be that big and and be all muscle, at least at that shape and everything else, because he really does look like he's just fat, but he's really all muscle. Now, I did go back and read the Kingpin's first appearance. Uh, I did use the Marvel Unlimited app because it would be way too expensive to try to get the issue that this appears in. Uh, I think I do have the omnibus that he appears in, but it was just easier to read it on the digital app. And he appeared in Amazing Spider-Man number 50. And this was interesting because, number one, it was an issue I had never read before. It's a very classic issue. It is the Spider-Man No More story, which is a very iconic story and very iconic cover. It's the one where Spider-Man's put his... Uh, it's Peter Parker walking away, and Spider-Man's got his back to him, or walking... I think Parker's walking towards the camera, and Spider-Man's got his back to him. And then in that issue is where you get where he leaves the Spider-Man costume in the trash can, so it's a very well-known issue. I had never read it before. I also didn't realize it was the first appearance of the Kingpin. And it, had I read it without knowing that, I would have thought it wasn't. Because how they introduced the Kingpin in there, you don't get the impression that this is his first appearance. You get the impression that this is a character that's been around for a while. And I think they did that intentionally. They did it so when you read it, you're like, okay, this guy feels like he's always been there. Um, but like I said, had I, had I read that, I probably would have looked it up going, well, where is his first appearance? Oh my God, that was his first appearance. It, like I said, just did not feel like it. It felt like he showed up in some earlier story. So, um, but it was a cool issue. It was a really, really cool story. And, you know, I know a couple episodes ago, uh, Travis, our buddy mentioned about decompressing stories, uh, and how we, how comics do that all the time. Now they decompress a story that could have been told in just one issue. And this was one of those examples. Amazing Spider-Man number 50 was a story about Spider-Man giving up being Spider-Man. And it all resolves itself in that same issue. Um, it doesn't continue for another five issues or six issues or anything like that. It's all taken care of in that one issue. 
Um, so getting back to this story, uh, Kingpin actually takes out all of the samurais that are fighting him. It's really just a sparring session for him. Um, he wants to know what's happened to the suitcase with his, his uh, merchandise in it. Uh, they're trying to track it. He's being told that they're trying to track it down. Um, we go back to the Cypress Hills uh, Cemetery, and we're in the Salem Fields area. And there is a mausoleum there. And Polly goes into the mausoleum carrying the case, and she shows her friends who are all there waiting for her because it's evidently a rendezvous place. Uh, you know that she has the case. They open it up because she figures it's going to be money or it's going to be drugs, and they're excited about either one. And uh, they open it up and it's these canisters, and they don't really know what it what they are. Uh, she feels like it's completely useless. She tells about what happened as far as the Ghost Rider. And then she's like, let's go ahead and, and hide, you know, these people are going to come looking for those canisters. Let's hide them where they'll never find them, because uh, maybe it's something that uh, isn't something that should be in their hands. Danny Ketch comes walk uh, on the next page. Danny Ketch comes walking into the emergency room. He's got blood on his hands still. He's spaced out and he passes out. We see that uh, a new another character that uh, we meet for the first time is uh, Captain Dolan, uh, and he's the police captain uh, there, and uh, he knows Danny Ketch because his daughter is dating Danny. We actually see her, but I find it very interesting because I read this a couple times, and there's no place that his girlfriend's name is mentioned she's not mentioned in this issue at all. Like she's there. She, she's in the story. She has lines, but no one mentions her by name. So I found that interesting. And I don't honestly remember what her name is. Uh, I believe her name is, is Stacy Dolan. Um, but I could be wrong. I could be thinking of Captain Stacy from, uh, Spider-Man or something like that. But with her dad being a cop and everything else, you'll see, you know, there's some similarities there, you know, Danny catches dating her, and her dad's a cop. Well, Spider-Man was dating Gwen Stacy, and her dad was a cop. Uh, and Captain Stacy didn't care for Spider-Man, and Captain Dolan doesn't care for Ghost Rider. <laughs> so, so a lot of similarities there. But, you know, Danny feels horrible about what's happened to his sister. He lets her know that, you know, I need you and everything. And we just see that her heart's just going beep, beep. And we will learn at a later date how important Barb, Barbara Ketch is. It's an interesting twist that they put into the story much, much later, uh, but we should eventually get there and, and we'll learn about that. So Danny Ketch goes back into the cemetery. He finds the motorcycle. He's like, Barb always told me to, be, to confront the unknown head-on. Well, here it goes. Uh, he drives off. He wants to find those that did this to his sister. He feels like he has the power to do so. We uh, go into the streets of uh, Jamaica Avenue and we see there's this group that was sent out by the Kingpin to find his merchandise and they know it's this group of kids so they start uh, harassing them and then he actually, uh, one of the main guys actually shoots them, uh, shoots one of the kids uh, to, to make a point or he's about to shoot him but then all of a sudden like a knife comes flying in and it's actually from one of the ninjas of Death Watch. And they're like, back off, the kids are ours. The guys from Kingpin start shooting it at the ninjas. 
there's just a lot of gunfire going on, and uh, Polly is there in the middle of it all, and she feels bad because uh, Ralphie has been s- stabbed, which was the, the name of the guy that got hit by the ninja's uh, knife. Danny Ketch comes around the corner. He hears, uh, you know, screaming, and he hears gunfire. All of a sudden, he looks and sees that the gas cap is glowing again. He's like, all right, you know, he, he doesn't really want to become that monster, but he just kind of feels like he's being drawn to it. And he touches the gas cap again, and boom, he becomes Ghost Rider again. And just a really cool splash page of, of Ghost Rider, like, popping a wheelie up, and he's heading right into the conflict. Uh, he takes out some of the Kingpin's men just by running, running one of them over. Uh, we get to see another power of his, which is, I mentioned that his uh, chain is like this mystical chain. Uh, like I say, he wears it as a bandolier, but what he does is he swings it out and launches it out, and all the, the chain links detach, and they turn into shurikens. So they, they're still links, but they all of a sudden reform into having sharp edges, and all those just fly right through the, the ninjas that are there, and then they swoop back and reform into the chain. It's a really cool effect that Ghost Rider uh, has as an ability now. He gets then wrapped up as he's going to check to make sure the kids are fine. Uh, he gets wrapped up by a chain, and they think they got him. Uh, they're like, you're not the only one that knows how to use a chain. And he basically pulls the guy that was holding the chain and flips him into one of the one of the uh, ninjas that are there. We also see him get blasted. Uh, Ghost Rider, get, they shoot this like bazooka cannon at him, hits the wall behind him. It knocks him down. They think he's taken out the uh, ninjas and the uh, and those working for the kingpin decide to form a, a, an alliance for right now to take on the Ghost Rider. Um, so this way, you know, they can uh, both at least get what they want initially. But then, uh, just as the ninja is about to, you know, after they've agreed to this, just as the ninja is about to turn traitor right away. Ghost Rider shoots his chain out. He wasn't eliminated and knocks them all out. There was also uh, what then what we see is that Ghost Rider comes walking into St. John's Hospital, which is where Danny Ketch's sister is, and he's carrying Ralphie. Uh, they uh, he orders the doctors to help uh, help him. Uh, Polly thanks them for saving their lives, and Ghost Rider just walks out of the building. Captain Dolan is not so sure about what to make of Ghost Rider. Uh, he says, you know, people are saying he's a hero because he brought, you know, someone in. But, you know, he, he's not seeing it that way. He thinks he's a menace, much like Spider-Man was viewed. Uh, and I guess maybe that's what I really liked about this. It, it had some nods to the Spider-Man character, but on a supernatural level. We also see uh, Danny Ketch going in to see his sister Barbara. He's like, Barb, I need your help again. I'm so confused. When I ride that motorcycle, it feels like I'm transformed in, into some sort of a monster. I can't believe the things that I, it does. It's so brutal. This is all so crazy. I don't want it to happen anymore, but I can't bring myself to get rid of that bike. I, uh, it did save two kids' lives today. If I am this powerful ghost rider, why can't I save you? And then we go to the last page where we actually see Kingpin uh, demolish his desk, and he is pissed off. He wants those canisters. 
Uh, and then we, uh, the panel right below that, we see Death Watch, who is also pissed off, and he just killed one of his own men. Uh, and he wants the canisters, and he wants all witnesses killed. Um, and that's how this, the issue ends. Um, there was one point earlier on in the story where Ghost Rider uses one of his other powers, but they don't actually spell it out. Uh, he stares right into the face of one of the villains, and it's basically he uses his penance stare, uh, which is one of his powers. They don't come right out and call it his penance stare in this issue. They do make it a point uh, to describe it later on, but basically what it is is he can cause someone just by staring at them and them staring back into his eyes, they can feel all the pain that they've inflicted on another being. So think of, uh, think of the movie The Crow, where at the end of it, uh, Brandon Lee's character had all of the uh, pain and suffering uh, that was felt by his fiance, and he was able to, to impose that upon the villain in the movie. It's kind of the same thing. It's like, okay, if you did bad, then you're going to feel all that bad all at one time, and that's going to drive you crazy and, and potentially kill you, eliminate you. Um, most of the time, it turns people into vegetables because of it. So, um, so really cool issue, a really cool introduction of the character. Um, this was a character I, I really enjoyed reading when I was a kid. This was my ghostwriter. I know a lot of people, it's Johnny Blaze. There is a version of Johnny Blaze in the Midnight Suns that I absolutely love. Uh, we'll be getting to him. It's how I personally like Johnny Blaze. I certainly do like Johnny Blaze as Ghost Rider, don't get me wrong. And I love those stories. And I love. I would love to read even more of the early issues and everything else. But Danny Ketch was my Ghost Rider. That's the one I was introduced to. That's who I grew up really enjoying and really reading and really collecting. So uh, I do have a few issues of Ghost Rider that I'm missing from this series. I tried to collect all of them. There's a few issues that I'm missing that I, I do want to fill uh, that I never really read. Um, but for the most part, I've read almost this entire series. Like I said, for the most part, I enjoy the entire series. There's The later issues are really hokey. And then uh, the Night Stalkers, that was my favorite title in the Midnight Suns. That one was awesome. Uh, you have Blade in that, which, you know, again, if you've watched Marvel movies, Blade is the beginning of the Marvel movies. Uh, it's the beginning of showing that movies about comic book characters can be completely serious and can be R-rated. It had that character, and it's really the, the Night Stalker story uh, in the comics that reintroduced Blade and made people go, in the popularity of it, that, that made people go, maybe we do a movie about this character. Much like the, the Guardians of the Galaxy did that to, to eventually make a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. There was enough popularity for that character there. So the, I can't wait till we get to that title. Like I said, the next episode of Midnight Suns, I will probably cover uh, Johnny Blaze confronting Ghost, uh, Danny Ketch's Ghost Rider. I think that's kind of pivotal as far as uh, a moment uh, to, to show what happened there. I think that's just a couple issues that that happens in maybe three issues, but I'll, I'll do a quick summary of those altogether if that's the case. And then we're going to get right into the Rise of the Midnight Suns, and you'll get introduced to a whole bunch of, of characters, uh, some awesome villains. It was really something I really enjoyed. And then we'll continue from that until uh, really the end of the Midnight Suns run. Uh, for however long that was. It was it lasted a few years. So again, much like the Marvel Cosmic, we won't uh, I won't let too many 
uh, days go by or too many months go by without circling back to this this type of stuff because I really do enjoy it. I'm really pumped. I know so far I've only done stuff like this for Marvel stuff, uh, and I've always said I'm a DC guy, uh, but this was the stuff I got into when I was first getting into comics. I first started off with Marvel stuff. I started off by reading the Midnight Suns titles, the X-Men titles, Spider-Man titles, uh, and everything else. And then the Marvel Cosmic stuff was much later, but I really, it, it was a turning point for me in the stuff that I was reading. So that's why that's important to me. I do want to try to cover some DC stuff because once I started reading DC, I fell in love with those characters. I have been a Green Lantern fan ever since I was a kid. So you would think I would have started with those comics, but I didn't. And it's just because of the comic shop I was at. They had like their Marvel stuff, bin, their Marvel bins at the top and their DC bins underneath. Uh, so I didn't even think to look into those bins until much later. I was already deep into the Marvel stuff. But like I said, once I started reading DC, oh boy, I did not stop. And I think that's why I enjoy both companies so much. I'm thinking about possibly doing a Green Lantern series. Like, not going to cover all of it, but I was thinking, you know, starting with Rebirth and maybe go through Blackest Night which is a lot of issues, but um, that could be a lot of fun. That's definitely my favorite time period of Green Lantern. Even though it's pretty recent, it's still the best, in my opinion. And I thought about doing uh, Mark Wade through Jeff Johns back to Mark Wade's run on The Flash, because The Flash is my second favorite character in all of comics. So that's kind of what I'm thinking about maybe doing for uh, DC. I, I would love to do that. Uh, let me know what you guys think. I don't want to do too many shows like this because then it's, you know, then they start slipping by and I'm not doing them. Uh, and then we got two years before I'm doing the next episode. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. But, uh, I was able to record a couple episodes tonight. Wanted to get something out to you guys. The first one, uh, you will have already listened to, and it should have, you know, knock on wood have come out in the month of June. This will probably come out the weekend of, uh, the first weekend in July. And uh, then hopefully after that, we will have uh, Robert, Shannon, and John back, and maybe we'll finally get that animated episode we keep promising you guys. Uh, but until then, let me, get, let me give our information out. Uh, you can find us at starjoes.com. You can find us at the on uh, Facebook. We have a group page and a fan page. The fan page you can like, and you'll get updates on Star Joes and Star Joes-related news. Uh, the group page, just request to become a member, and I will approve it the second that I see it. Uh, you can find all of our stuff at starjoes.com. On there, you can find our phone number. It's 440-941-JOES, 440-941-JOES. Uh, you can also find our email address, which is starjoespodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter. It's at starjoespodcast. Uh, we also have merchandise for sale. We have T-shirts and sweatshirts and coffee mugs, and you can find the link for that at starjoes.com. Hey, Pick up something with the Star Joe's logo on it. I get a lot of compliments when I go to shows wearing that. Uh, people just want to talk about it. They think it's it's pretty cool looking. Uh, and then you can tell them about the podcast and bring make this an even bigger community. So you can find episodes of Star Joe's on iTunes. Uh, please leave us a review on there if you have not done so already. It helps give exposure to the show. I believe that's everything. We're on Stitcher Radio. It's a free app for your mobile devices. We're also on the Podbean app, P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Uh, it's an app also uh, that's free, and you can make Star Joe's one of your favorites on either one of those. Uh, you can also play the episode uh, for free or download it for free uh, right from the website of StarJoe's.com. Uh, I know we don't mention that very often, but you can do that as well. 
Uh, There's actually a play button right on the website where you can play it out loud if you want to. I would say our episodes are typically not suitable for work, so watch where you're playing it. But I think that's everything. Uh, Again, if I've forgotten anything, we'll cover it next episode. But with that, we'll go ahead and close the show by saying the Force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, guys. (laughs) 